93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. This city is my city, and I love it, yeah, I love it. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Glad that you have tuned in this weekend. Uh, Very pleased, very honored to welcome to the Eagle Studios the president of the University of Missouri System and the chancellor of the University of Missouri Columbia campus, Dr. Moon Choi. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Fred. Great to be here. And, you know, I I will say this again. Uh, The last time you were on the show was in, in January. And, and I appreciate the opportunities to visit with you. Uh, but one of the things I appreciate most is that you come in with no ground rules. Uh, you don't bring your PR people with you. <laughs> and I will tell you, you know, doing this for a long time, uh, that w- we've had a lot of leaders in this community and leaders at the university come in here and uh, uh, they bring their PR people and they have this prescribed list of questions and you cannot ask about this. And one of the things I've always enjoyed about you, whether it was a, a, com- a community luncheon or, or a radio interview, y- you say, ask me anything and you're, you're willing to go anywhere you want to. And, and sure. so that is, that's a great sign of a leader. And that's a great sign of, of really the, the type of transparency that we in the local media really appreciate. So thank you, uh, for being willing to be so transparent. And, and so, um, you know, uh, and luckily there's no, nothing real controversial going on. No, so so you're, are, you're really safe well. today, <laughs> <laughs> but I want to, uh, just talk about some of the things that have been in the headlines. Uh, you are, let's, let's give our listeners a real quick reminder of how long, uh, you became president of the University of Missouri March 1st, 2017. Is that right? That's right. Uh, so how many years is that? Help me. I was a journalism so, major, so yes, I, my math is really bad. Uh, I'm in my seventh year seventh as year. the president. Okay. And I'm in my fourth year as the chancellor of the uh, Mizzou campus. Yeah. So time flies. Yeah. Time Wh- does fly. Which of those two jobs do you enjoy most? Well, I really enjoy both of them. I really do. But, uh, you know, being part of Mizzou and and uh, being part of an SEC institution mm-hmm. that's a member of AAU land grant, there's so many positive aspects of it. Yeah. And also being the chancellor puts me closer to the students, yeah. faculty, and yeah. staff. Yeah. And the alums. Yeah. And so I really do enjoy both jobs. But if I had to pick, yeah, yeah. Mizzou chancellor. <laughs> there are a lot of lot of good things about it. Yeah, and you just got appointed to an SEC committee. Tell, tell us about that. So I was appointed as a member of the executive committee of the SEC that sets uh, a very important uh, foundations for the budget and yeah. also the future plans for the conference. Yes. So, so how many schools are represented on the executive committee? I think there are six universities, wow. and I think there are three presidents that are part of it. The president of... Uh, Alabama, mm-hmm. Tennessee, and at Mizzou. Wow. And in about two years, I'll be the vice president. Mm-hmm. And then two years after that, hopefully, when I'm still here, yeah, uh, I'll be the president. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope you're still here, too. That's great. Um, a couple things in the headlines, and I, mm-hmm. I think probably uh, something that might be the biggest news story of the year, uh, if if we had a little bit more uh, local media here in town, is this idea of building a new uh, nuclear research reactor uh, at the University of Missouri. And, uh, you know, what we have now is pretty impressive, and it's very unique, and it's doing some amazing things. 
But what we're getting ready to build, if all things uh, go as planned, uh, is even more impressive. Tell us about that. So, yes, Fred, you are right that what we have is pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. It's a nuclear research reactor that produces about 1.6 million doses of radioisotopes and tracers that are used in very important theranostics, both therapy and also diagnostics. Mm. Some of those include our ability to create iodine-131, which is a very uh, sensitive radioisotope that's mm. used to not treat, but cure cancer, thyroid cancer. Mm. And we're the only producers in the Western Hemisphere. But we know that the demand for radiopharmaceuticals, the targeted radiopharmaceuticals that our uh, nuclear research reactor enables, has received so much demand because of its effectiveness. Mm -hmm. The latest drug that we are helping to uh, pioneer is called Pluvicto for late-stage prostate cancer. Wow. And back in March, there was there were articles in New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and so many other venues that talked about the low supply and the growing demand. Mm -hmm. And so we're currently working with... Uh, our partners in the in the pharmaceutical industry so that we can ramp up our production yeah and to save american lives in the and, process and this is a drug that's already been approved by the fda it has been okay and then who are the pharmaceutical partners on on provictos so it's novartis, novartis. they are the, they're yeah. the big partner out of switzerland yeah. and yeah. Uh, and our goal is to build a new research reactor that enables us not to just meet the demands that we think is going to be there but mm -hmm. also demand that we know is going to be coming in future years because of the success of our radioisotopes. Yeah. What is what is a typical half-life? I mean, how, how long, uh, how soon must a drug like that be administered to the patient after it's created? So the half-life, I mean, the, the half-lives range. It can range from a few hours to a few days. And that's a good thing. We don't want the half-lives to be several years yeah, when yeah. they're injected into a, into a patient. Yeah. But the short, the, uh, the, more that we can do in terms of developing the drug that that encapsulates a radioisotope here in Missouri mm -hmm. reduces the uh, decay of the effectiveness because of the half-life. Right, right. So currently, we ship our radioisotopes all over the world. Hmm. If we ship a radioisotope that goes to Italy, where they envelop it in this targeting molecule that can only target a specific type of cancer, mm -hmm. and then they make that drug and fly it back to, let's say, Wash U at BJC Hospital, oh, wow. then think of all the time that you had to spend yeah. shipping it and yeah. shipping it back in which the redu the uh, there's going to be a significant reduction in the effectiveness of that radiopharmaceutical. Mm -hmm. So you're, are you saying that the process that's currently done in Italy could be done here in Columbia, Missouri? It can. Wow. And so as part of this uh, effort, we are developing an economic impact approach mm -hmm. so that we can attract more of the manufacturers to be located in Columbia, mm -hmm. as well as having the distribution yeah. come out of Columbia. Mm. And What's beautiful about Colombia is that it's in the middle of the United States. Yeah, yeah. So we can ship the finished product anywhere, anywhere mm -hmm. in the United States and beyond. Yeah, that's great. So what is what do you think the price tag is going to be uh, for building the, this type of facility? You were up for review or renewal by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission anyway for the mm -hmm. existing reactor. That's right. Uh, so now is a, as good a time as any to go ahead and, and uh, just build the new one. Do you have 
permission uh, authorization from the NRC right now to proceed with the next reactor? We don't. We do not. Okay. We're at the beginning stages, we mm-hmm. we're doing the planning and design and the getting the licensing from the NRC and mm-hmm. working with the DOE. Yeah. So <laughs> currently, we are evaluating uh, RFQs that are provided by five international companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that are developing plans for us to evaluate. Hmm. Based on that RFQ, we will release the RFP, and we expect to have four to five very prominent firms that are going to be working with us over the next eight to 10 years to plan it, get the licensing, and mm-hmm. build it and execute the uh, the first uh, creation of new radioisotopes. So it's a... Sort of a consultant to help you through the process and then That's also right. to help you find uh, That's right. uh, the people to help you build it and so Absolutely. forth. Okay. Yeah. But, Fred, we have such a great reputation with the NRC because we've been operating this yeah. reactor for 56 years without incident. Wow. That says a lot yeah. about the commitment and the quality of people that work at our reactor. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you, uh, when you, you say without incident, and, and people look at me when I'm crazy, but when I was 18 years old, I was a reporter for the Maneater on campus. Oh, and and uh, I remember one of my very first stories mm-hmm. was um, the there was an explosion at the reactor. And oh. uh, it had nothing to do with the, the core, you yeah. know, but it was, but this was not too many years after Three Mile Island. Yeah. So, so that got made So there was, a, there was quite a state of panic, you know, yeah. but I, I remember, uh, uh, but I, I can't remember what the source of the, the uh, explosion was, but if you go back and look at it, but it was one of my very first assignments oh, as a man-eater reporter. So uh, that's, that's how I made my mark, but uh, that uh, Murr has a special place in my heart. Um, so what do you think the total, pr- if you had to guess, what do you think the total price tag is going to be on a project like this? We believe that it's going to be about a billion dollars. That's wow. at the high end. Yeah. It would take about eight to 10 years to complete. Mm-hmm. And so we are in the, in the beginning stages of trying to raise interest, first of all, yeah. interest, awareness, and philanthropy, as mm-hmm. well as state and federal support. Yeah. And uh, finding other partners that want to help us not the goal isn't to build a nuclear research reactor. The goal mm. is to help cure cancer mm. and for our ability uh, to come through by this uh, nuclear research reactor with developing new, ra- even different radioisotopes or different types of cancer, mm-hmm. it's going to be critically important. Yeah. It seems like we, uh, one of our first big success stories out of there was, and I'm going to butcher the name here, but it's something called uh, Therosphere. You're absolutely right. Okay, and that was used to target, uh, was it a liver or kidney cancer? Or liver cancer. Liver cancer. Mm-hmm. And, and that was uh, employing uh, like a, almost, for lack of better words, a glass bead. Yes. Yeah, that would, oh, yes. That would yes. go in and, and target uh, that cancer. And so, uh, is that product still being used? It's still being used. We still produce the uh, beads and we irradiate it using yttrium-90 and, uh, and also... Uh, that product is now owned by Boston Scientific. Wow. And uh, so the reach of our work through uh, Therosphere production is uh, is quite vast. Yeah. So you have these relationships with Novartis. You have these relationships with Boston Scientific. Does that open some other doors for other university research that's taking place? Oh, yeah, Yes, it does. Yeah. So one of the big investments that we made through NextGen was to hire a group of very phenomenal radio pharmaceutical faculty members working in chemistry, physics, radiology, mm-hmm. so that we could be at the forefront of developing not only new ways of creating the radioisotopes, but also to be able to develop the targeting molecule that can target specific types of cancer. Mm-hmm. That's where the breakthroughs can occur. The next phase of this is to develop the clinical trials capability through next gen so that we can have 
first-of-a-kind clinical trials using our own technology mm-hmm. here at the university, which can serve uh, citizens of Missouri. When you, uh, is it too early to talk about the economic impact of the new reactor? I think it it it, it is. Mm-hmm. It is uh, because there's so many changes that we expect mm-hmm. in terms of the demand for for the uh, radioisotopes. Yeah. But currently. We're generating significant revenues with our current research reactor, Mm -hmm. and we believe with the increase in capacity and operating both at the same time, because we want to operate the current MER as a backup just in case there's some times where they're going to have, let's say, servicing of the new reactor, that we we can meet. Tremendous needs in this in this uh, country. Yeah, you know, I think a billion dollars sounds like a lot of money to people, but uh, if uh, you know, if you understand much about the pharmaceutical industry and <clears throat> and uh, but the return on investment for a billion dollar investment uh, is likely going to pay itself back pretty quickly. It it we believe it will. Yeah. That's why the the uh, the financial the draft financial uh, uh, impact mm-hmm. is going to be so promising. Yeah, and on top of that. If we don't do this, we have to ask ourselves, who else will do it? Yeah. Because right now, we're the only ones. Well, you're going to have to go back and do something with the existing reactor, I would guess, whether you do it, you know, if you decide not to do it. Uh, yes, yeah. but we are all so committed to this. <laughs> I think we need this in Missouri. We need right. this in the United States. And we don't want to be beholden to other countries when it comes to healthcare delivery for Americans. Yeah. Tell us about uh, another headline. Uh, they are now expecting the the new Women's and Children's Hospital to open uh, uh, at MU uh, sometime next summer. That's right. A year from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about that project, the the, the scope of it. How, how, how big of a spend is that? Oh, it's probably around $220 million. Okay. Right. And it is it will be a state-of-the-art facility so that we can better serve the needs of uh, both women and children in yeah. our region. Yeah. And because of the investments that we're making in that hospital, we're recruiting top doctors, clinicians mm-hmm. that want to have their practice here in mid-Missouri. Yeah. So that's been so positive. And, uh, and also the opportunities for us to collaborate on child health research because of the proximity of that new tower to NextGen, Roy Blunt mm-hmm. NextGen yep. Precision Health Building, it's going to be important. And it also helps us grow our research footprint, not only in the basic sciences for child health, but also for clinical research as well. Yeah. When you see what's happening in St. Louis and Kansas City, um, there's a... Um, I don't know. I I sort of worry about a news story that came out last week about the 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 pending partnership between BJC Healthcare mm-hmm. and St. Luke's, and you know it's um, I I worry about that because you know the the only way to grow right now uh, in healthcare is to maybe expand uh, and uh, diversify your base and and um, it just sort of expand your footprint and so it seems like a Kansas City and St. Louis healthcare system would creep into areas that are currently served by MU Healthcare and Boone Hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that give you any concern at all? Uh, it, it does. Mm-hmm. I mean, whenever there uh, there's, a, there's a news story about two very large organizations like those two uh, joining forces, we have to ask ourselves, how do we 
distinguish what we offer. Mm-hmm. So that's why we have to continue to innovate, yeah. continue to invest in high quality care through not only infrastructure, but more importantly, in people, yeah. in the clinicians and the nurses. And we're committed to that. Yeah, you got to pay off, got to play offense, you know, which is which is important. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. That's the voice of Dr. Moon Choi, the uh, president of the University of Missouri System, chancellor of the University of Missouri Columbia campus. Back after this on the CEO Roundtable, you're listening to 93.9 The Eagle. Welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. We are visiting with Dr. Moon Choi, who is the uh, chancellor of the University of Missouri Columbia campus and also the president of the University of Missouri System. He's uh, been here since 2017. We've been talking about the new children's hospital that's being built, and and, uh, we talked a little bit about NextGen. Are you pleased with where you are right now with NextGen? We are, we're ecstatic about the progress that we made, and uh, we knew that it would be a very important investment that would attract top researchers, top faculty members to join our university. Mm -hmm. And uh, we knew that it would take some time for us to be able to fit out the rest of the building. We built the bigger building than we had the funding for because we want to prepare for that growth in the future. Yeah. Well, we got to fit out the fourth floor. Now we're running out of space. Oh, wow. Already. Already. Yeah. And so the research that our faculty members are doing have been so instrumental. Yeah. And to give you some idea of the growth of research, back in 2016, total research at the university was $236 million, which is a sizable sum. This year, for fiscal year 23, we expect that number to be over $450 million. Wow, that's, that's and, and terrific. So our faculty members have done a terrific job of of gaining more of the market share of research. Yeah. And that's through the investments that the universities have made. Yeah. Uh, not just here, but all throughout the UM system. And that's money that's coming in from uh, the National Institutes of Health and, and uh, the pharmaceutical companies, and I would guess. Uh, that's right. So that's all new money coming into our community. It's all new money coming in, yeah. and there's, an, there's a multiplier effect because of research. What would you guess that multiplier is? Uh, we expect that to be about two to one. For every dollar oh. that is spent, $2 of economic impact. So just based on research, yeah. it's almost a billion dollars. Yeah. And that's not counting the Turnover. licensing yeah. licensing that we can do or oh. industry partnerships yeah. with uh, firms like Novartis. Yeah. But, I, you know, I think also the thing that people forget to remember is, is the turnover of those dollars, which you know might be six or seven times in, in a community like Columbia, where uh, one of those researchers goes out and buys a nice house and then they, they need new carpeting and they, uh, they need a new car and... And those dollars just keep turning over and over and over in our community. So we can't really underestimate the the total economic impact of of something as big as as NextGen. The other news story uh, that uh, was in the newspaper this week is that you have uh, selected a new chief marketing and communications officer, a guy named John Dinker. Is that correct? John Dinker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where's he coming from? University of Arizona. Okay. Yeah. And uh, which is a pretty impressive place too. And and uh, uh, tell us uh, what this guy's going to be doing. Well, we selected him because of his uh, extensive experience in marketing, yeah, marketing communication, and uh, we there's so many important stories to tell at the university, mm-hmm. but we don't have enough time mm-hmm. to tell that story, or we feel that the way that we I feel that the way we've been telling the story is not really as effective as it should be, mm-hmm. given the incredible things that we are doing, right? And so our team, our marketing communications team, over the years have really stepped it up. So we are much better than where we were. Mm -hmm. But 
we're always pushing. Yeah. We're always pushing to have the best stories come out that put us in a light as an AAU flagship research university. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be telling those stories yeah. effectively, working with our team. He was a newspaper guy for many years, I saw on his resume. So He, he was. Yeah. He was. So he knows how to sell, which yeah. is important. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, I think you're, you're exactly right. And I, I don't know if it's out of humility or modesty, but the university has traditionally done a very lousy job. And, and I think that we saw that... Uh, it became most evident uh, in years past when, uh, you know, we, we would we would have sort of a hostile relationship with rural legislators who really knew, had no idea what was going on. And then if the football team was losing or the basketball team was losing, things got even worse That's with rural right. legislators. <laughs> and so uh, but now I, I think that it's important to um, get that word out and, and tell people, hey, this is uh, your life is impacted by what's happening in Columbia and in Rolla mm -hmm. and Kansas City and St. Louis. And so, um, big job to do. That's for sure. Big job to do. He's yeah. uh, joining a, a wonderful group of leaders at the university. And, uh, we look forward to, you know, new and different ways to tell our story to different audiences that we've not reached in the past. Yeah. 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 That's going to be, and I think that impacts part of the audience. One audience that you, you need to tell your story to is, is perhaps incoming freshmen, graduating high school seniors. Tell us about the, the fall enrollment. What are you, what are you looking forward? Uh, what, what do the numbers look like? Numbers look good. So we are expecting about 5,300 first time college students hmm. and about another thousand, uh, freshmen, uh, transfer students. Okay. On top of that, a few thousand graduate and professional students. So it's going to be a healthy year once yeah. again. What is that? How does that compare to years, years past? So when we look at the, the first time college students, we're going to be up around 250 students. In transfer, we're going to be down about 50 mm -hmm. and graduate we're even. So we're going to have 200 more students compared to last year. Yeah. And that is a, Given the demographics and the trends that we're seeing, that's pretty promising. Yeah, so we have, there's some expectation that uh, sometime in the next couple of years that we're going to start seeing the the impact of this uh, decline in birth rate that took place in 2007, 2008. Um, and uh, it seems like the last time we visited, which, which was back in January, part of your strategy said, you know, um, uh, we're going to start recruiting from uh, areas of the country where the birth rate was not as as dramatically impacted as it was here in Missouri. Mm -hmm. uh, talk about those efforts. So we're using very advanced uh, uh, digital marketing in those locations. And these are places like Texas, Dallas and Houston, but mm -hmm. also California. They're going to see a reduction in, in the number of high school graduates, but such a big market. Yeah, yeah. And Illinois is, such a, is also a very important market. So mm -hmm. we're using artificial intelligence to identify students early on, even when they're in middle school, so that we can get them the materials that they can evaluate so that we're on their minds throughout their high school years. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be very creative. This is the type of thing that we didn't do 10 years ago, mm -hmm. but now we have the tools to be able to do so. Interesting. But mm. also at the same time, we want more students from rural Missouri. Yep. And uh, what we're finding though is in some rural communities, uh, the students don't have access to AP courses or some other advanced courses because of the lack of teachers that can teach them. Mm -hmm. So our dean of uh, of College of Education and Human Development, Chris Riley Tillman, has a very deep rural focus, mm -hmm. and he's going to be developing programs working with rural communities so that we can deliver some of these courses as well as have our students go and teach 
in these uh, rural locations yeah. so that we can attract more students to come to our university. It, it seems like in, in recent years, uh, University Extension has been a, a, a key player in, in some of our uh, just uh, contact and, and branding uh, outside of uh, the, the metropolitan areas. Uh, I think the last time we were, we were visiting, Marshall Stewart was on his way out. Uh, have you replaced Marshall Stewart yet? Well, we have uh, Chad Higgins, who is uh, serving as an interim, and okay. he's doing a great job. Good. We plan to launch a search, a national search in the fall. Okay, in the mm-hmm. fall. Very good. Um, Want to also talk just a little bit about, uh, so this fall class coming in. Yes. Um, you know, one of the things, there's been, a, a of course, a, a big debate about uh uh, student loan relief and mm-hmm. and uh, and and some of the politicians have sort of pointed the finger back at universities across the country, saying, "Look, uh, it it shouldn't cost so much to get a college education." How do you respond to that? And and what? How would you describe or characterize the efforts for cost containment in a university system to try to make that tuition a little more affordable? And and they're right. Uh, the cost of education is going up, mm-hmm. and we we all have to be mindful of. The burden that that places on students and the parents that help the students pay for the tuition uh, and living expenses. So beginning in 2017, one of the charges that I have from the board was to make our universities more efficient and to reduce the administrative spend and provide more in scholarships. Mm -hmm. So our goal all along has been to provide the opportunities for the students to attend the university and to graduate, graduate on time with lower debt. Mm-hmm. So the debt at, at any one of our universities that are part of the UM system is lower than the national average. Mm. And here at Mizzou, the loan default rate is about 2%. That's a low number mm-hmm. considering the national average is about the 11%. Is that kind of a Midwestern thing or a show me value thing? Why, why, why do you think that? Uh... Well, I think. People that go to our university has, have a sense of accountability. Mm-hmm. I, I borrow the money. It gave me a great education. I want to pay it back. Yeah. Now, in some cases, though, we may have had students that did not graduate, did mm-hmm. not get the uh, certificate, and therefore didn't their careers didn't progress as much as they could have uh, if they had received that degree. So we have to then very carefully evaluate how do we ensure how do we ensure that students graduate from our university so mm-hmm. they can go on and lead productive lives. How do you counter the the what seems to be a growing narrative that uh, a college education is no longer necessary? Uh, what, what do you tell parents and prospective students that you talk to about uh, a college education and why it is necessary? And, and I, we, we have to do a better job of communicating that value. Mm-hmm. And obviously, getting a college degree that leads to a professional career is one important reason why college education should be pursued. But I also believe that a college, a well-rounded college education is needed to create a citizen, produce a citizen, educate that citizen to be a global citizen, a pr- person that understands his or her role in society, his or her role accountability to mm-hmm. the society that provided the opportunities, mm-hmm. and for that person to grow both professionally and personally mm-hmm. through that process. Yeah. How many of us had 
really reawakenings about the purpose of life while we attended college yeah. by meeting friends, new friends that come from different perspectives so that they help to shape us as individuals. Yeah. And I think that's critically important. Yeah. No question. I want to go back to 2017 and, and sort of your first impressions when you uh, first arrived on the scene and, and I would guess that uh, you did you come from Connecticut is that where you were yes. yeah and you know you look at um, uh, Missouri and you look at Columbia Missouri and and you say ah oh, that's not very sexy uh, it's uh, but when when you first arrived here mm-hmm. um, what were the what were the immediate opportunities for improvement that you recognized the need to be more accountable across the board. Hmm. Uh, the need to be uh, focused on achieving excellence mm-hmm. and the need to examine the areas of excellence and highlight those so that we can appreciate it as internal stakeholders and also share that with external stakeholders. Mm-hmm. Mizzou is a wonderful university, wonderful university, but it didn't really tout its great uh, accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And uh, also when it comes to accountability, I believe that without using without using a metrics-driven approach, we spent money on areas that didn't really result in the outcomes that we would have expected. Mm-hmm. And so for us to be able to make investments strategically, so one of the first things that we did working with the board is to develop a strategic plan for each of the universities, and we provided funding to support that plan, the $260 million plan. Instead of peanut buttering the support, (laughs) we asked each of the four campus leaders to identify key strategic areas of investment that will achieve their strategic vision. Mm -hmm. And all four universities have seen growth in, in the graduation rate, research, philanthropy, and now, we were boasting fourth straight year of growth in our state appropriations. Mm-hmm. So we're very pleased about yeah. the progress, but we have more work to do. I want to talk to you about the, your relationship with the legislature in the next session, but um, I, this is a chance to maybe make some of your deans mad, but uh, if <laughs> if there were two programs at the University of Missouri right now, sure. two academic programs, you know, they used to call it programs of eminence 20 years ago. Um, what What are the two colleges that people that people in the state of Missouri should be paying attention to right now? I would say... Um, you want to get two? Yeah, get two. The programs that we should focus on, you're saying? In no, terms the ones that... You want people to pay attention because there's big things happening. Oh, big things that happen. Yeah. Okay, great. I, I would say rural education. Mm. Rural education that uh, the Dean of Education and Human Development is pursuing mm-hmm. because... We're in the rural part of the state. Yeah. Okay, and you got one more. We got one more. Uh, I would say it's in Precision Health. Pre- oh, okay. Precision yeah. Health that's related to, yeah. uh, so College of in- College of Medicine yeah. is a very important component. Yeah. But Precision Health, health is going to be more and more of a central focus for researchers going to the yeah. future. And there's collaboration between engineering, ag, all kinds, in that precision of health. Course. So there's a lot of, of stuff going on there. That's Dr. Moon Choi, the president of the University of Missouri System and chancellor of the University of Missouri Columbia campus. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, his expectations for the future of the University of Missouri and, and a few other topics. Uh, and plus a new CEO at AMU Healthcare, which you need to hear about. All of that and more is coming up on the CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry. You're listening to 93.9 The Eagle.
Welcome back to the third and final segment of the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host. Glad you've tuned in this weekend. As you know, we are visiting with the president of the University of Missouri System, Chancellor of the Mizzou Campus, Dr. Moon Choi. And uh, we have uh, covered a lot of ground uh, on this show so far. We've got a few more things to go. You know, I, uh, I don't know if people realize that MU Healthcare has become a billion-plus enterprise, a mm-hmm. uh, billion-dollar-plus enterprise in our community. And uh, there has been tremendous growth over the years. Um, you know, as someone that spent 14 years on the Boone Hospital Board, I'm pleased to share that that the, the growth of, of MU Healthcare has not come at the expense of Boone Hospital, but really it's... it's um, Really filling the void that has, has that has taken place in rural Missouri, and I think that as you look at uh, our relationship with rural Missouri as a community and as a university system, uh, certainly healthcare is a very, very, very important. You you literally touch. I think I've seen numbers where the university has touched all 115 counties uh, in Missouri, and uh, healthcare, of course, is maybe. Mike Alden used to say that uh, athletics was the front porch of the university, but it I would tell you that it seems like uh, health care is becoming the front porch of the university. It's a very uh, important front porch. Yeah, tell us about your new CEO. Uh, well, Rick Ransom joins us from University of Wisconsin Health System, and he brings uh, incredible experiences from many different large hospital systems throughout the United States. Mm-hmm. Well, what we really... Uh, what we were impressed with when we first met him is his commitment to the community hmm. and his commitment wow. to ensuring that we provide the best best health care at a very affordable price to patients throughout mid-Missouri. And that came through very, very strongly. And also, um, he is a person that believes in creating an efficient organization that reduces duplication, obviously, mm-hmm. because... By doing that, we can make investments in areas where we need the investment to provide that improved health care for our patients. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be, a, I hope, a long-time CEO that makes a tremendous impact for us to grow the reach of our health care system beyond Columbia and Jefferson City to other parts of the state, especially rural parts of the state that need that support. Mm-hmm. We talked earlier about maybe playing a little offense because of the uh, the growth of uh, of um, uh, or the, the the expected merger of uh, St. Luke's and BJC Healthcare. Mm-hmm. Not sure what that's going to look like yet, but uh, MU Healthcare has announced uh, it's going to uh, just go a little bit deeper in its relationship with uh, Capital Region out of Jeff City. That's right. Um, and so that sort of helps strengthen a a key corridor, uh, the fifty four corridor in our in our community. Um, when you when you find yourself playing offense uh, and trying to be uh, aggressive, do you, there's a lot of dollars that leave central Missouri. They go to Kansas City and St. Louis and, and to Mayo and to Cleveland Clinic and, and down to Texas for cancer care. Um, are there some vital are there some service lines that we need to be focusing on uh, and, and putting them here in central Missouri so that those dollars stop leaving our community? Yes, and that's where uh, the partnership that we have with School of Medicine as well as MU Healthcare has been so successful. And having a person like Dr. Rick Barron, who is the EVC for Health Affairs, Mm -hmm. as well as the Dean of Medicine, he is able to work with the hospital leaders to identify where those critical gaps are. And together, they've they've been hiring incredible, incredible, clinicians. Mm -hmm. We have uh, three new faculty members 
clinicians that joined us from WashU in uh, wow. neurosurgery, starting with uh, Dr. Michael Shacoin. Hmm. He was attracted to this university because of our commitment on Next Gen and Mizzou Forward. And uh, he recruited two of his colleagues from WashU. Yeah. Now that's Wash really U. saying something. It is. WashU <laughs> surgeons are now here because of the commitment that we've made. Yeah. And uh, we need more surgeons. We need a bone marrow transplant program. Mm-hmm. And and the cancer center is working on that as well. And mm-hmm. to make those specialties available so that we don't have the leakage into into the two largest cities in our in our state. Yeah, and that's uh, that's huge. Uh, while we're talking about sort of the economics of things that the university is doing, you know, we we've talked in the past about tech transfer, where you take this, you know, the academic research, uh, and you take it from the lab on campus to the marketplace. And the university uh, has had some success stories, but you know, for the most part, the university has really struggled with this because I don't think it's it's intuitive to academics, I don't mean to be condescending there, but I just don't think it's intuitive uh, how marketing and, and how business works. Uh, they have brilliant minds for the ideas that they've created, but taking it and out into the, the world, whether it's a pharmaceutical or, or a some type of uh, new technology, it's challenging. W- w- looking back since 2017, uh, do you feel like you're making progress? Are there any success stories that you're proud of? There, there are success stories, uh, but in general, I would, I would agree with you. Uh, we have a number of brilliant faculty members and they're wonderful in what they do in their discipline. Mm-hmm. But, uh, when, uh, they have a new idea, we need to be able to provide the support with business support, with capital acquisition and the type of support that's needed to create a successful business. Mm-hmm. But we don't always have the opportunity to do that. And part of the reason was we were just peanut buttering the support. <laughs> and uh, so we are doing a much better job of identifying where we believe the winning technologies are with the support of business leaders so we can form businesses around these. Help and, me understand the analogy of peanut yeah. butter. Are we talking about peanut butter versus uh, filet mignon? Or what, <laughs> what, when you say peanut butter in the sport, what do you peanut mean? Peanut butter meaning, uh, let's say, instead of identifying the three to four key investments that we need to make, yeah. we make 15 investments to make 15 people and happy. And we spread it out very we thin. We spread it yeah. out. Okay, right. I'm with right. you. Very interesting. <laughs> good. Well, that, that's a good one. That's a new one for me. So um, I talk a little bit about... Uh, uh, Maybe is there a, a success story that people don't know, know about the, the, in in recent years? Yeah. That, uh, other, we've talked about the, of course, the research reactor. Is there anything else research that's out there that, that people should know about? Um, just this year, we are developing new technologies that have been licensed in new types of soybean uh, mm-hmm. varieties, and that's important because soybean is so important for the economy yep. of this state. Yeah, and uh, you may or may not know there is a a uh, an oil that is used for commercial use for food processing, and that's called high oleic, which was a type of oil that is low fat that was developed with the Missouri Soybean Association and University of Missouri. Hmm. So when I go down to Southeast Missouri for the uh, field days, we're going to eat a lot of food that's fried in that oil, but it's healthy. And that's the important thing. That's one. But Hmm. we're also developing technologies such as in immunology to be able to have an antibody that amplifies the effect of our own body to be able to attack the diseases that that uh, afflict us. Yeah. So these are some of the technologies, but more are coming. But we are being very strategic in where we're making investments 
to launch companies. What advice would you give? We have a lot of uh, local CEOs and business owners listening to this program. What advice would you give? Uh, there's, there's a, there's oftentimes a lot of pressure. And, and when, when you think about a company that has had recent success, patient technologies, there was a lot of, in, a lot of pressure on patient to move to the West Coast or to the mm-hmm. East Coast to get funding right. uh, from the venture capital companies. Uh, Brian Worley sort of stood his ground and, and kept his, his business here in Columbia uh, and has been successful at attracting the right people to his company. But but the money doesn't get too excited about staying in central Missouri. What what do you think we could do to change that thinking? I think it's, I mean, we're really happy that patient is staying here, but there's so many other companies that decided to stay. Bobby Campbell with his arcade district is yep. another great yep. example, yep. equipment share. And I think to demonstrate to these, these business, uh, uh, entrepreneurs to say, we have what you need. Mm-hmm. You need a workforce. We have a number of great universities and colleges right here in yep. mid Missouri that can yep. support you. Cost of living is important. Now we're, we may be at a deficit is access to the capital because, you know, we're not in a major, uh, major financial hub. Yeah. We're like a Chicago or mm-hmm. uh, other places, but with flights out of Columbia, that's going to be increasing. Yeah. And also the ability to connect by Zoom. Why not? Yeah. Why not do that here? And we're also finding that many employees that work in the coast are now moving to middle parts of America because of the quality of life yep. and the lower cost of living. So that's another very important point to make. Have you considered or do you consider the university's responsibility to 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 maybe create uh, positions on campus that, that chase that chases that kind of money that goes after the venture capital? Do you have people that currently do that? Is that something that uh, that you'd ever consider. We do, and we're also partnering. We're also partnering with Scale VC. That's, oh, yeah. yeah and sure. that we're partnering with them, and also Tom Richards, who mm-hmm. is our chief investment officer, yeah. works closely with many venture firms, mm-hmm. and those venture firms are encouraged to make investments in companies that are started by the university. Yep. But more and more, I want to think about how we can support this community mm-hmm. of entrepreneurs that are <laughs> growing. Yeah. 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 That are growing here. Yeah. If as you look at sort of the the future of the university and and um, you know just some of the um, uh, I, I don't want to refer to it as challenges that are ahead, but let's talk about the opportunities that are ahead. What what are you what are you most excited about when you look at the future of the university right now? Well, we're a university that really is on the move. Uh, if we if you look at measures of that are important for universities, they're student success. Mm-hmm. Are our students graduating, are they getting good jobs and are they satisfied with the education that they receive? Graduation rates are up, the loan default rate is down, the placement rate is one of the highest in the country at Mm. 95%. Research, as I talked to you about, we're doing impactful research that is gaining more of the market share Mm -hmm. and giving us a rise within the AAU, that's critically important. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to engagement, whether it's with the community here or throughout the state through extension and our rural health programs, we are making that impact. And that's one of the reasons why the governor and elected officials continue to make investments in our universities. This year, we expect to get about $800 million in total support from the state. Mm. That's equivalent to a $20 billion endowment. And uh, that's why we're so grateful to the elected officials, but also, not also, this is 
their elected officials serve the people of Missouri. So we're grateful to the citizens of Missouri for that support. Yeah. How many uh, SEC schools are in the AAU? Um, let's see, I think there's about four or five. Okay. Yeah. With Texas coming in, I think it'll be five. Okay. Texas is coming into the SEC. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been in the AAU. They've been uh, in the AAU. How do we stack up? Uh, we get, we've got about one minute left here. Um, how, how do we stack up uh, against AAU schools right now? I know we've had a nice increase in research funding. Yes. And those are very, very helpful. What about and, alumni support? That's always been a struggle for Missouri. Alumni support has to increase. And uh, uh, philanthropic contributions has to increase. Those are all very, very important. Yeah. And we're gaining on our competitors in the AAU. Mm-hmm. You, you may recall that this past year, Iowa State was asked to leave the AAU. We are continuing our growth. We're committed to making the investments that make us, make us a stronger AAU university. And the next five years, we're going to be critical. But during the next five years, we're going to make even more of an impact in research. Yeah, a lot of stuff on the horizon for the University of Missouri. Uh, Dr. Muntoy, congratulations on your success in your first seven years. We appreciate uh, what you're doing, not only for the university, but uh, certainly for our community. Great to have you on the program this week. Thank you. Next week, we'll have Jeremy Moreland, the president of William Woods University, and we'll uh, kind of get a similar update from him. Thank you for tuning in to the CEO Roundtable. We will see you next weekend right here on 93.9 The Eagle. It's my city, and I love it, yeah, I love it.